Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. Guys, it is so good to see you. Who's excited to be back in the house of God tonight? Oh, guys. Can we be a little bit more excited about that? Who's excited to be back in the house of God today? Oh, Oh, me too. It is so good. There's something about worshiping together. There's something about gathering. Uh, I don't care how good your Spotify playlist is. I don't care how good of of messages you listen to on YouTube. The bottom line is that there is nothing like gathering together as the family of God. Um, So I don't know about you. I don't know where you're at coming into 2021. Um, my guess is that there is a great mixture in here, probably a mixture of some excitement. Um, if, you're, if you're feeling pretty optimistic about this new year, go ahead and make, it, make some noise. Yeah, yeah, that's all good. Um, how about this? If you're feeling maybe a little bit pessimistic, like, you know what, it's a new year, but I don't mean it's going to be like new circumstances. Uh, where, where are you guys at? Oh, no, don't be quiet. You can be, be loud and proud. It's fine. All good, all good. Uh, if you just have no clue what to expect and you're just ready for the ride, go, woo woo. <laughs> That's more my boat. That's more my boat. Hey, here's, here's what I want to say before we jump into the word of God is, regardless of how you're feeling coming into this new year, here's what uh, we're going to promise you is we're not going to give you some hyped up enthusiasm and positivity um, just because we think we should all be happy in here. If you're uh, feeling a little bit pessimistic, if you're still a little bit nervous about how this year is going to go, that's Okay. You're in a safe place to, to feel that way. You don't, feel, you don't need to feel like, okay, I need to get up, like everyone else is excited, so I'll be excited too. No, 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 you can be yourself. And if you're positive in here, man, be the life of the party for us, man. Because uh, we came through a long 2020, but here's what I know, is that nothing can take away how good our God is. Our God has been faithful in 2020. I don't care if 2020 was the worst year of your life or the best year of your life. Nothing can change the fact that God has been good. God has been good. And if you don't believe me, I encourage you to take that to prayer and look back at what God has done in your life over the past few, uh, year and tell me, come back and tell me that he's not good. Uh, and, if, and if you still don't believe it, we'll talk about it. We'll, ta- we'll go to Loyal Coffee at that 25% capacity. I'll make you a fresh pour over. We'll do whatever we got to do, okay? Sound good? Sound good? Okay, okay. Um, here's the thing. It's a new year. I'm not asking you to be overly optimistic, but I do need um, some, some talk back from you. I, like, if, if I say something relatively good, relatively biblical, go ahead and just, like, give me a shout back. Uh, here's why. Um, maybe it's because I'm a musician and, and slightly insecure. That might be why. But I think some of it is I haven't preached since March. Uh, so if I come across, like, a little bit, like, rusty, you're like, man, has this guy ever preached in his life before? I have. It's just been, like, 11 months. Uh, so can you guys, like, help me out tonight? Give me some confidence. Can you guys help me out tonight? Okay. My small group's, like, right here. My fellas. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to look at you guys. If it looks like I'm sucking, just kind of be like. And if I'm doing good, just give me one of those. Like, sound good? Thanks, fellas. All right, guys, turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel, okay? Go to the book of Daniel. It's in the second half of the Old Testament. If you don't have your Bible, now's a good time to start bringing it, okay? Because we're going to be going through the book of Daniel. Um, If you have a notebook with you, go ahead and get it out. We're going to be taking some notes today as well. Um, We're just going to take up uh, the intensity of how we listen to Scripture. No longer will we just passively listen and move on. But let's actually engage with Scripture, amen? 
You guys better wake up, man. I'm no Pastor Tim, but I look a lot like him. Wake up. All right, we are going to be for the next few weeks in the book of Daniel, and here's why. Here's why we're starting off the new year with the book of Daniel. It's because the book of Daniel is a beautiful picture of what, of what happens when you see a couple of young people completely, wholeheartedly devote their lives to God. What we see in the book of Daniel is even against the tidal wave of a Babylonian culture, we see a few young people take a stand because their God is just that worthy. Our God statement for the entire series is going to be God is worthy. Everyone say God is worthy. Wake up, say it louder. God is worthy. God is worthy. God is worthy of a life devoted. This this, uh, series is going to have four movements. God is worthy of a life devoted to holiness, to prayer, to worship, and to mission. Everyone say God is worthy. God is worthy. Come on, it's going to get in there. Now before we kind of jump into uh, the specific text today, I want to give us some context. How do, how do we get here to the book of Daniel? We're not just going to like start there. Let's, let's get some context for where this is coming from. So uh, let, let's start at the very beginning. Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, to be his image bearers. Unfortunately, Genesis 3, Genesis 3 happens. The fall happens. Sin enters the world. So then God begins his redemptive plan to save humanity. So he starts. Uh, with a man named Abraham, and Abraham has Isaac, and Isaac has Jacob, Jacob has Joseph, Joseph rescues his family from, from a famine, so they go to Egypt, but after 400 years, the Israelites find themselves in slavery, give me a thumbs up if you're tracking with me so far, we've just like covered all of Genesis right there, okay, then in Exodus, we, uh, God calls out Moses from the wilderness to, to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of captivity, through the Red Sea, into the, both the wilderness, but then the promised land, so now the Israelites make it into the promised land, but unfortunately, as classic human beings do, we mess it up. Everyone say, we mess it up. Turn to your neighbor and say, often. Often, we mess it up often. So, so the Israelites are in the promised land, but here's the reality is that everyone begins to do what is right in their own eyes. Does that sound like America at all to you? Uh, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And so what does God do? He raises up judges. You know them as like Samson or Gideon. He raises up these guys to get the people back on track. And they do for a little bit, but then they get off track. Everyone say, we mess it up. Turn to your other neighbor and say, often. Say, you do especially. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't say that. Uh, so then God raises up judges. The judges fail. But then God raises up priests like Eli and Samuel. And they mess it up. Everyone say, they mess it up. Often. Often. So, so God raises up the judges. They can't do it. So then the people are like, all right, let's demand a king. We want to be like the other nations. Let's have a king. And this is where Saul comes in the scene. And he really messes up. Everyone say, he really messes it up. Often. He messes it up often. So then God says, okay, Saul's not going to cut it. So he raises up David. And David is a man after God's own heart. But even David, the worshiper that he is, even the amazing man of God that David is, he messes it up. Everyone say, we mess it up. There is a Savior. Thank you, God. Uh, So so, so David messes up. Then he has a son named Solomon. and, And he has a great prosperous kingdom. But he messes it up and hence a long line of kings. A lot of kings um, who try to bring the people back to the Lord. Kings like Jehoshaphat or Josiah come along. But then there's other kings who just suck at their job. (laughs) They like fall into idolatry. They're doing all kinds of wickedness. And this is where we find ourselves in the book of Daniel. God is seeing the kings compromise time and time again, century after century. And so finally, he just allows the people of Israel to be taken into captivity. 
by several nations. And where we find ourselves in Daniel is that, is that the Babylonians come and they take the Israelites out of their home. It's brutal, it's bloody, it's violent. And they, and they take um, some remaining Israelites into captivity. And this is where we find Daniel. Now, here's, here's why we're, we're camping out here. Like I said, God is raising up young people to stand against the tidal wave of culture. But let's, let's, let's zoom in a little bit on the Babylonian culture. You're like, what, what is Babylon? Like, what is this? Uh, here's what you need to know about, about Babylon. Two things. One, this is a polytheistic culture. I'm going to say polytheistic. If you don't know what that means, just say, what? I, my voice just gave out. Say, what? Guys, I think I just sang too much. I'm going to say, what? <laughs> there it is. My voice, my voice lives to fight another day. So this is a polytheistic culture, meaning that they worship a whole bunch of gods. Now, we're used to seeing that in the form of a statue, but once again, uh, could we make the case this kind of reminds us of America? Uh, I think we have a lot of idols here, idols such as the self, uh, idols as fame, idols as uh, maybe what political party you stand on. There, there are countless idols here in America. So it's a polytheistic culture, but then on the other side, it's a very self-reliant culture. What I mean by that is that the Babylonians trusted heavily in military strength. They trusted a lot in the strength of their army, the strength of, of themselves. And once again, this sounds a lot like America to me. I love America. I'm thankful to live in America. This is an amazing nation. But let's be honest, idolatry and self-reliance runs rampant in this nation. Can we agree on that? Can we agree on that? If you don't agree with me, let's go to Loyal. We'll talk about it and we'll hash it out over a pour over. Sound good? All right, all right. So, but this is, this is where um, I want to uh, make the connection from then to now. See, the Bible is so, so relevant because once again, in a, in a culture that is ridden with idolatry and self-reliance, God raises up young people to make a stand against the tidal wave of culture, not for themselves, not to have great stories to tell, but so that the name of God might be glorified so that we can see a nation shift. And I don't wanna just be um, trying to inspire you or hype you up, but what I do see in this room are young men and young women who God is calling out starting tonight, calling out to holiness, devote your life to holiness, devote your life to prayer, devote your life to worship, devote your life to mission. This is the call that God put on Daniel and his friends. This is the call that I believe that some of you, not all of you, but some of you are gonna answer tonight. So who's ready to jump into the book of Daniel? All right, you're awake. Good. All right, here's what I need. I, I need four volunteers to help me read. We're about to go through 20 verses, y'all. So I, Jones, I saw your hand. Um, I see your hand right there in that middle section. Yeah, come on up, brother. Come on up. Uh, yeah, come on up. Come on up. Uh, run up. And then you right here, blue shirt. Yeah, come on up. All right, give these guys a hand and run up. All right, y'all. My voice is so tired because I was trying to sing higher than John Egan. We all know that's a bad job. All right, so what I need you to do is um, each of you is going to read one slide of Daniel 1, okay? So just one slide, pass the mic. Sound good? All right, everyone, let's quiet ourselves. Everyone take a deep breath in. Breathe out and say, Holy Spirit, come. Let's do that one more time. Breathe in. Breathe out and say, Holy Spirit, come. All right, brother, take us through this first part. It'll be on the screen for you. Get as close as you want. It's a lot of words. In the third year of the reign of Joachim, king of Judah, these are some weird words. You raised your hand. You raised your hand. <laughs> king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave, 
king of Judah into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the kingdom... You're doing so <laughs> good, the bro. the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Give this man a hand. All right, let's have you go next. Go ahead. Well done, bro. Surely it gets easier from here. Surely. Surely. Go ahead. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah, and the chief of the <laughs> eunuchs. eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar, nice. Hananiah, he called Shadrach, Meshach, Mishael, he called <laughs> Mishael, <laughs> and Azariah, he called Abend and he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the Anaks. Give her a hand. All right, two more. Let's get it, big fella. Let's get it. You got and, this, man. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward from the chief from the Uchit, what the? <laughs> <laughs> what the? Something had assigned over Daniel, Han, something, Michelle, Michelle and Azariah. Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths ate the king's food. Nice. Thumbs up, hang in there, we doing okay? That's all right, if you, didn't, if you don't like reading the Bible, then I don't know why you're here, so here we go. Last one. <laughs> so the steward took away their food and wine they were, they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded they should be brought in the chef, had encountered, commanded, they would, ah, brought them before neck, something. <laughs> and the king spoke with them, and among 
All of them, none was found like Daniel, Hannah, Mitchell, and Azara. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, magicians and in in. Enchanters. Enchanters. <laughs> that were in all his kingdom, and Daniel was there until the first year of the king's Christ. Give these guys a hand. Good job, y'all. Man, you guys are never going to raise your hand again anytime I ask a question. What's he going to make me do? All right, let me, let me summarize that story because that was just 21 verses. All right, so here's what happens, right? The, the Babylonians take the Israelites into captivity and they're going to uh, uh, get these four um, Israelite guys to adapt to the ways of the culture. But we see in verse 8 that Daniel resolved not to defile himself. And then what happens is he, he puts on a test. He says, okay, we're going to eat these foods, and they're going to eat these foods, and we'll see uh, who looks better, who's operating better. So the title of my message is Spiritual Keto 101. All right, you guys ready? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So is he going to make us fast? Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not. I'm not. But what I do want to zoom in on is verse 8, how Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Now I want to define defile, because that's not a word we use a whole lot in our everyday Language, defile simply means to make something unclean or to make something impure. And when I think, when we hear the words impure, we immediately think of the opposite, which is pure. And a lot of times when we think of pure, we think of probably sexual purity. Like we think about like our relationships or what music we're listening to or what we're seeing, what we shouldn't be seeing, like all of those things. Typically that's where purity uh, takes us in our mind. So we think defile, we think about purity and, and all of that. But actually the scripture has a broader idea of what the word purity means. See, purity means something that, that's clean, that's unblemished, undefiled, something um, that, that is singular. Something that is singular. And if you were with us last year, we actually talked about this. If you remember it, like, you're my best friend and we'll go to Loyal and, and we'll uh, discuss that over a pour over because you're my favorite. If you can remember a sermon I preached a year ago. But we talked about how, how purity is something that's singular. We live pure lives by being singular, singularly devoted to something. The opposite of, of singularity would be duality, where we're trying to, you know, live one way in front of these people and live a different way in front of other people. And, and Daniel is faced with this exact same choice. Do I live in purity or impurity? Do I live defiled or undefiled? Do I live holy? Another word for pure is holy, to be set apart. This is where Daniel finds himself immediately as soon as he's into this culture, the culture of, of, of many gods to worship and self-reliance. Daniel is immediately faced with the choice, am I going to allow myself to be defiled by the culture? And I would like to suggest that we have that same question before us today. In the year of 2020, when everything's going crazy, but even before 2020, y'all, um, some of your high schools, junior highs are crazy. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> like there's some crazy stuff that goes on. We've got friends who do all kinds of crazy things. Uh, we, we have sports teams and we have, we have theater casts. We have, we have music bands. Like, like we got all this stuff. We got classrooms that are just insane. And, and I think we would all be lying to ourselves if we didn't think that outside of these walls of the church, but even within the walls of these church, there's impurity always fighting for our lives, always fighting 
for our hearts. We have a choice. Are we going to live pure or impure? Are we going to live holy or unholy? Now I want to zoom in a little bit about what holiness is and what it isn't. Because I think a lot of us, when we think of holiness, we think of do's and we think of don'ts. But I just want to take the next 10, 10 to 15 minutes or so and just talk through four simple things of what um, of holiness, what it is and what it isn't. So number one is this, holiness is a life responding to God's holiness. Now I'm specifically using an active term there, res, uh, responding. It's not uh, holiness is a life responded to God, but holiness is something that's always happening. It's a daily decision. It's a weekly decision. It's a day-by-day thing. So holiness is a life responding to God. Here's what I mean by that. When we think about holiness, when we think about living set apart, immediately our first thoughts go to us, right? We think about, okay, these are the things like a holy person does. These are the things I should do or I shouldn't do. But, but even at that very first step, we've already gotten it wrong. We've already gotten it wrong. If, if the first thing we think of in holiness is, is how we should live or how we shouldn't live, we've actually completely missed it altogether. You see, we are only holy because God is holy. Here's what I mean by that. Let's, let's look through scripture for a second. When God commands his people to be holy, he doesn't just say, hey, be holy, okay, because like you should. No, what he actually says is be holy as I am holy. So, so if we look throughout scripture, we have Leviticus 11.44, 11.45, 19.2, 20.26, 21.8, all moments where God tells his people specifically, be holy as I am holy. Pure, uh, holiness doesn't start with us. And Jesus says the exact same thing on the Sermon on the Mount. In, in Matthew 5, 48, Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And then later on in the New Testament, Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16, he quotes the exact same verse, be holy as I am holy. Go ahead and write those scripture references down. We've got to catch this. Holiness doesn't begin with us, so therefore holiness cannot be completed by us. If it doesn't start with us, then it's not our effort that sustains us. We've got to get this, we got to get this right from the very get-go. Because here, here's the reality, if we don't get that right, then here, instead of living holy, we are going to perform. And performing versus holiness are two really different things. You see, the culture says perform. Culture says, hey, be the best in the classroom. Hey, be the best on the field and on the court. Hey, be the most popular, have the most friends, have the most influence. Culture says, perform. But God says to you, be holy as I am holy. And you're like, well, like, what's the difference? Here's the difference. Performance requires a draining out of who you are. You have to work so hard. You have to put in all this effort in your own strength. It's actually a life-draining thing to perform, but to live holy is the most life-giving thing you can do because you're connecting to the source of life. This is why we have to know that holiness doesn't begin with us. It cannot be sustained by our effort, and it cannot be completed in us. Let me put it this way. Let's put up that next slide right here. Holiness starts with the Father. Before there was creation, there was a holy God. And then holiness is sustained by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. This is what a holy life looks like. But we can't do that on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. And holiness is perfected and completed in Jesus Christ when he was on the cross. And he said, it is finished. It is finished. We've got to get this right. 
we think holiness starts with us, we're just performing. But God is calling us to be holy. The second thing about holiness is this, is that holiness is a life surrendering to God. It's a continual surrender. I'm just going to go straight to the point here. Holiness requires a letting go. Everyone say a letting go. There is no holiness without a letting go. And we have a really biblical precedent for that. Think about Abraham and, and how God promises him a son and he's faithful to his promise. Here comes Isaac, but no more than a few years later of, of Abraham having Isaac, God says, hey, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. And that, that is so uncomfortable for so many of us. I get that. That is weird. Like, why would God ask that? Here's what God wanted. God wanted 100% undivided, undualistic, singular surrender from Abraham. And so Abraham passes the test because he's willing to put his son on the altar. God didn't want a dead baby. No, no, no. God wanted a 100% access to Abraham's heart. There's a surrender required. I think about the story of Esther, right? Come on, where are the ladies at? Come on. There, there are biblical females as well. Come on now. Ladies, are you asleep? Oh, okay, I was just like, man, I thought I was going to get a little bit more than that. Think about Esther. So, so God promotes her as this queen, but then all of this power that she's given, all this influence that she inherits, she ultimately has to put on the line to go before the king, uninvited, unannounced, and she has to say, for the sake of her people, am I going to lay down my life to be obedient? Holiness requires a letting go requires letting go. I think about the New Testament. I think about Peter, who, who's a fisherman. Peter, James, and John. Jesus comes to them at the beginning of the Gospels and says, hey, follow me. And what do Peter, James, and John do? They don't cling. They drop their nets. They drop it all. Now, that, like, we're like, okay, that's cool. Like, I'd rather follow Jesus than be a fisherman, probably. Uh, <laughs> at least that's how I would feel. But, but like, the nets, they, like, this symbolizes their way of life, their livelihood, all they've ever known, all their family's ever done. They're leaving their surefire way to get income. Like, they're leaving all of their control, all of their security on the line and following Jesus. Think about Paul, the Hebrew of Hebrews, right? He has to lay down his influence ultimately to follow Jesus. He surrenders it all. And what does it give him? Well, it gives him a couple beatings, a couple shipwrecks, and ultimately um, his, his entire life. He's martyred for his faith. Holiness requires a letting go. Jesus says this. I mean, Jesus is no stranger to talk about surrender. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you're going to take up your cross and follow me. And Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. He says, you can't serve both God and money. And think about this, Jesus is saying, there is no way to follow me without first letting go of any idol in your life. Make no mistake, guys, holiness, devoting your life to holiness will cost you everything. Absolutely everything. If you've ever heard Pastor Tim talk, if you've ever heard Pastor, Pastor Chase, if you've ever heard Miss Catherine, you, you have heard this, that following Jesus will cost you everything. I love you enough to tell you that, but I also love you enough to tell you that our lives were meant to be lived with our hands open and our knees on the ground in total surrender. Our lives were not meant to be here. Our lives were meant to be here. If you don't believe me, believe Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 25, he said, whoever wants to find their life must first lose it. It's backwards. We think... In our minds, oh, to find my life, I've got to achieve, i got to produce, i got to make it happen. No, no, Jesus says, you want to find life? Let it go. Surrender. 
Think about it this way. How many of y'all just love a good roller coaster? Anyone loves a good roller coaster in here? How about skydiving? Other hand, if, you just lo- if you've ever been skydiving or just love the idea. If you love the idea, just maybe do it. <laughs> Think about this. Think about this. I feel like the words of Jesus are so clear when it comes to this. I remember being a kid on a roller coaster, multiple times being on a roller coaster and thinking like, what if like this were like the singular day that the entire seatbelt just fails? <laughs> has, has anyone ever thought that before? Like, I know I have, where it's like, I know this thing's been running for years, but like, what if this was like the fluke? Like, like you know, like you're like spinning and then it's like, you just imagine like the seatbelt coming off and you're just like just yeeted across the amusement park, just gone. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever thought that. My mind's gone there a couple times. I remember being a kid being like, this is it. <laughs> like, this is it. But it, like, zoom out and think about like, can you imagine how much of, of your life you entrust and surrender in a roller coaster? You're like trusting this like little leather strap to like, keep you from being flown thousands of feet to kingdom come. <laughs> Think about skydiving. You're jumping from like a plane and attached to you is this guy you've like never met before. And you're just, you're just falling. <laughs> like you're like, li- your life is literally in their hands and you're like, well, like what if this guy made a mistake? Like how many mistakes do we make on a daily basis? What if this guy makes a mistake? Like that's it, like it's done. <laughs> like that, that's all there is. Um, but can we say that there are fewer greater thrills in life than a roller coaster, a good roller coaster, like a skydiving. But where do we find this life? We find life, we find this thrill, we find this, this true like moment of like life catching up to us when we're out of control, completely surrendered, relying on something stronger than ourselves. This is the same way it is with Jesus. He says, whoever wants to find Life must first lose it. Can I be honest with you guys for a second? Can, can you guys handle my honesty for like a quick second? Just don't, I, I just don't want to hear from any of you like, oh, no one's real at church. No one tells me how it is. Like they just, no, no, no. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be real. One of the, th- the, the thing that makes me the most sad in life are a bunch uh, of watching a bunch of lifeless Christians in front of me. I call them the walking dead. Like they're walking, but they're dead inside. They're dead inside. And I'm just gonna be a little bit more honest because I, I love you. Like, please don't hear, this isn't me like frustrating, like just getting out all my thoughts. Like, no, no, like this is me loving you enough to say there are so many of those in this room right now. You've been going to church your whole life. You've done the church thing. You, you, you know, you, you, you've, you've heard the worship songs. You know, you know the Bible a little bit. Like, you, you've done the thing. Your parents do the thing. Like, you, you, you're familiar with this whole thing. But if we were to be honest, how many of us in this room are lifeless? And if you don't think you're lifeless, let me ask you this question. What are you living for? On the day-to-day basis, what are you living for? You living for you? Living for your comfort? Your next achievement? Waiting to watch the future unfold? What do you live for? Money? You fill in the blank. I don't know your heart, but Jesus does. I'm not here to, to hype us up. I, I, I just, I really love you guys. I've been here now two and a half years, getting to do life with you guys. What I long to see is a bunch of young people who gather every Wednesday night or a Tuesday small group 
And, and I, don't, I don't really desire to see like a bunch of perfect Christians running around. What I long to see though is a bunch of young people who have just completely surrendered their lives to Jesus. Whatever it costs them, they're gonna do it. Whatever it looks like, if it costs them everything, they're gonna do it. So when it comes time to worship, it's like, all right, well, I don't even care what other people think. Like I'm just laying it all out for them. Unfortunately, I don't know like if I see that. I don't see that in the church as a whole. I, I don't know. But, but I love us enough to invite us. Jesus is inviting us tonight to surrender. Holiness requires a letting go. It requires a letting go. Do you guys feel loved? <laughs> Do you feel attacked? <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I love you guys enough to invite you into that because true life is found not in me being nice to you. <laughs> true life is found in surrendering your life completely true life. For those of you struggling with depression, I know a Savior who offers joy. If you're struggling with fear and anxiety, I know a God who offers perfect peace. If you're living on empty every day saying, I don't even know why I'm here. If you don't know why your life is significant, I know a God who promises life and life to the and we're going to make a space here in just a second for you to talk to that God. For you guys to have a conversation. Holiness is responding to a holy God. Holiness is surrendering your life to God completely. And holiness is obeying God. It's obeying God completely. You see, holiness is not just saying no to things. You're like, you're hearing me and say, okay, it's like, what do you want me to do? Like, you just want me just to kind of say no to all the bad stuff? Like, what do you want me to do? Like, like, like we're not just here to run away from a bunch of bad things. I want to pull up 2 Timothy 2.22. Paul says this to Timothy. So flee youthful passions. A lot of us got that part down. Okay, so holiness means like saying no to the bad stuff, right? No, no, no. It, it's fleeing from youthful passions, but it's pursuing righteousness, faith, Love and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. You see, a holiness is not just saying no to something, it's saying yes to something. We're invited into saying no to the ways of culture, no to the ways of God, or no, no to the ways of culture and yes to the things of God. It's been since March, y'all. Been since March. Uh, the, Sure, sure fire sign right there. It's saying yes to the things of God. Like, you're like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? I'm talking about like the simple stuff. Like opening scripture and allowing the Lord to speak to you through scripture. Once again, I'm just going to be honest. I think a lot of us just like make a whole lot of excuses. Like, ah, I just feel like the Bible like isn't relevant. Or, you know, I always forget. Or, you know, like, like my life's really busy. Like, yeah, I get it. Like I'm married, have a job. But, but we, we got to do it. We got to say yes because there's life found in scripture, or the simple things like, like prayer, the language of relationship, learning how to do everyday life with God, like a relationship, learning how to speak to him and learning how to listen to his voice back to us. Guys, it's like worship. Worship, like, like it's, it's saying yes to the things of God, like worship, and, and I just, it's so hard to watch apathetic people come into worship and kind of just watch. They'll, they'll call themselves Christians and just watch, but, but if you're apathetic in here, you're going to be apathetic out there. But holiness is saying yes to the things of God, saying, you know what, like, I'm going to let go 
I'm not, and I'm not just going to let go of the sinful ways of the culture, but I'm actually going to say yes to devoting my life to scripture and to prayer and to worship and to mission, like actually living my life not for myself, but for other people. Holiness is responding to a holy God. It's surrendering and it's obeying. And the last thing is this as the worship team comes up. I just want to say lastly that holiness is a life reflecting Jesus. Holiness is a life reflecting Jesus. The reality is if you haven't caught it by now, (laughs) you're about to, this is impossible. What I'm asking all of us, including myself, into is impossible. It's impossible. You and I messed it up yesterday. You and I messed it up today. And you and I are going to mess it up tomorrow. Everyone say, we mess up. Look down and just say, often. (laughs) We mess up often. But guys, this is why the gospel is good news. If the gospel is good advice, then we just have a long list of things we need to do better at. Guys, that's not why I'm bringing all this stuff up. That's why I'm, I, I, I know that I've come on pretty strong, but the reality is when I stand before Jesus, Jesus isn't gonna say, hey, thanks for like being really nice and like watering down the gospel for me so that they would feel better on a Wednesday night. He's gonna say, did you preach the gospel? Did you preach the good news? And the good news is not that we are gonna find a way to live super holy lives. No, no, no. What we are going to do tonight is we're gonna say, let's reflect Jesus meaning I'm going to put all of my hope, all of my trust, all of my faith into the hands of Jesus because I can't do this on my own. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus came as fully God and as fully man. And as fully man, that means he had every opportunity to defile himself. Just like Daniel, he had every opportunity. I think about Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness. Man, you give me 40 minutes of not eating food or like drinking water, I'm like a cranky guy. Jesus did this for 40 days, yet he holds fast to the ways of God in the wilderness. Or I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing he's about to give his life in the most painful, brutal, violent way, yet Jesus had a chance to compromise, but he says, no, not, but not what I will, your will be done. Jesus surrenders his life and gives it in perfect obedience. I think about the cross the ultimate sign of Jesus, reflecting the holiness of his father, surrendering his life completely, and ultimately being obedient to the father to give his life so that you and I can have a relationship with this holy father despite the mistakes you have made, that I have made, that we have made. This is good news. Guys, I know holiness isn't fun. I know like this wasn't meant to be like a hype thing. Holiness is real, it requires laying down your life, but holiness is reflecting Jesus, so we lay down our lives. If what you've heard from me tonight is just, hey guys, perform a little bit better, okay? I wanna see more hands raised in worship and you know, I wanna see a little bit more uh, scripture from you guys. No, no, no. If you've heard that, you've missed it completely. The last 25 minutes have meant absolutely nothing. But if what you hear is that we need Jesus and we need to put our lives in his hands, then you've heard exactly the heart of tonight. Can we stand to our feet right here? We've only got a little bit of time, but I wanna make a really 
really clear invitation tonight. Tonight is not about a New Year's resolution, a spiritual resolution. Tonight is not a night to hype you up. Tonight's not a night to be like, all right, let's get it. Like, we're going to be holy. Tonight is a night for our hands to be open and our knees to be on the ground. It is time for us tonight to reflect our holy God, to respond to our holy God by surrendering all that is not of Jesus by taking up our cross, by being obedient, and ultimately reflecting the life of Jesus. Tonight's simple, simple. Tonight's a night to invite you to recommit your life to following Jesus. Holiness is such a churchy term sometimes, so let's, let's make it really practical. What I'm inviting us into tonight is to follow Jesus. undivided with purity. There's a singularity to it. And I'm not blind. I'm not ignorant. I know so many of you. And the reality is a lot of you are like, this guy's just extreme. Or, man, you don't know my story. Like, like, I tried the Christian thing and it was a letdown. Or it was boring. Or I tried it to pray and nothing happened. I get it. There's going to be a lot of you who could care less, couldn't care less about what I say tonight. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm not here to convince you. I'm not here to manipulate you. I'm not here to twist your arm and be like, just follow Jesus, please, like, like, to make me feel better. Ignore me. You can ignore me. You can ignore this. You can hate all of this. Go ahead and try the world. Go ahead. You can try and live for yourself. Go ahead and try and live for money. Go, go ahead and try and live for that next relationship. Go ahead and try and live from achievement to achievement. Maybe 10 years from now, you'll see that all is lifeless, and maybe you'll see that all is empty without Jesus. Maybe some of you have already experienced that. All is lifeless, and all is empty without Jesus. But tonight, the invitation is, whoever wants to find life must first lose it. Daniel resolved not to defile himself, so he laid down his life. He surrendered it, changed the course of a nation. So this is what we're going to do. We've only got a couple minutes left. We've got to go quick. We're not going to do this in a hype sort of way. We're not going to rile anybody up. This is just a moment between you and Jesus. If you want to be real honest with yourself, I want all of us to close your eyes. Close your eyes. Instead of asking, Jesus, am I a good person? You know, am I doing, am I performing well? No, no, no. Here's all I want you to ask. Jesus, am I living in the fullness of life right now? Am I living for you on a daily basis? Is my chief end goal and desire to glorify you or to please myself? a second. I don't want to rush this. My guess is that there's several people tonight that would say, you know what, I've been a Christian for so long, but I I identify with that lifeless Christian thing, the walking dead thing. Like, I I feel like that's me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. Acceptance, come before Jesus 
and surrender your life again. This is how we're going to start the new year. Not with something hype, not with something uh, really exciting. And, and, and no, no, all we're going to do is we're just going to give our lives back to the one to whom our lives belong. And it starts with confession. It starts with being honest before the Lord that we have fallen short. So if you just want to be honest, if you want to be real, here's what I want you to do. Out loud, verbally, we're going to pray this prayer of confession together. And this is our first sign of saying, Jesus, you know what? I've been living for myself. And I'm laying it down tonight. Surrender starts with confession. That's why we pray this prayer every week. So can we pull up the prayer of confession on the screen? I just want us, if you believe it, I don't want you just to read empty words for you. But if you mean these words... Let's pray it together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the good news. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, the good news of the gospel is this. That Jesus Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He has made a way for you, and he will empower you as you walk on that way. For those of you who are ready to surrender your life, here's what I want you to know. It's welcome to life to the full. Not, not a walk in the park, not every day feeling like awesome and excited, but welcome to finding your life joy, there is peace and there is rest in surrendering your life and giving it completely to Jesus. For those of you who are willing to lose your life, welcome to finding it. So excited for you. So this is what we're going to do. We're just going to sing this simple chorus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We're just going to sing that as just, as our way of declaring Jesus all of my hope is in you and I can't do this alone but the blood of Jesus is the one that completes my holiness before you we're going to sing that and then after this here's what I want you to do for those of you who said you know what I made a decision today to follow Jesus again in a fresh way here's what I want you to do we're not going to do any altar call or anything like that all I want you to do is I want you to find your small group leader or if you don't have a small group leader find a leader in this room and I just want you to tell them simply hey like I just responded today and I'm ready to give my life to Jesus in a new way what they're going to do is they're going to encourage you, they're going to pray for you, and they're going to walk with you. They're going to walk alongside of you so you don't have to do this thing alone. But before we go to that second step, can we fix our eyes on Jesus? And as a way of surrendering to Him, saying we're going to live for Jesus and not ourselves, can we just sing this simple chorus? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeah. Let that song of surrender what rise up. Can make me whole again. 
Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.